It's a goal! He's done it! Yeah, what a shot! This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Just Sports. Hello and welcome back to your, uh, I would say favourite, even if it's not, I would like to believe it is, uh, your favourite sports podcast, uh, Just Sports. With uh, Rahul Puri, my good friend, and me, where we discuss everything that's happened in the world of sports and things that uh, matter. Hello, Rahul. Hello, Summer. How are you? Uh, not too bad. Uh, melting in the sweltering heat of Mumbai uh, while you live in the yes. AC confines of your office. That is true, but I mean, even we melt in the smel- sweltering heat. I think everybody's mel- melting. Everybody's melting in the sweltering heat. So, okay, while we melt in the sweltering heat, what's on the agenda for uh, this time? Let's talk about the French Open and uh, will anybody be able to stop Nadal and Sharapova has not been given the wild card. Let's talk about Cricket Australia. Uh, trouble brewing there again on contracts and money. And let's talk about uh, what else should we talk about Rahul? Let's talk about Conte and Chelsea, champions once again. So let's start yes. with the French Open Rahul. Uh, I don't see anybody stopping Nadal this time. I mean Nadal seems to be like the overwhelming favourite. Djokovic is on a major slump. There is no Federal. Do you see, I mean, do you see anybody stopping Nadal from winning his 10th crown? Um, doesn't look like it. Um, he's got to be the favourite. I mean, obviously Andy Murray is there as well, um, but he's not playing particularly well. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the, the, the French Open is, it is possible for, for that Grand Slam to throw up uh, a surprise or two. Having said that, you know, we've bemoaned the fact that um, there really isn't uh, a great uh, set of, of players behind uh, these three or four top guys, um, which is a bit of a disappointment. But, you know, it, it is, uh, the French is a grueling, grueling, grueling um, Grand Slam. It's probably the most uh, physically demanding Grand Slam of them all. Um, and uh, it is possible, it is possible that, that there will be a surprise. But if you were looking just from form, um, you've got to say that Nadal uh, looks the the absolute favourite at the moment. I mean, surprise, yes, Nadal might have a bad day, but again, it's a five-setter, it's clay. You know, I don't see anybody else having the, the, the physical stamina that Nadal has to beat him. I mean, I don't think Malay can do that. I mean, frankly, I don't think he's at the top of the game right now. And, and clay has never been his favourite surface, you know. Uh, yeah, no, no, it's, it's not. I mean, you know, you wouldn't... Uh, you wouldn't back Murray to bounce back and find form at the French. Um, you know, if he was playing well and he was he was winning tournaments on clay, then you know this might be a different discussion. But he's not doing any of that. He's getting knocked out sort of second and third rounds. And uh, you know, Nadal Nadal is 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 playing well. I mean, he's just won a tournament. Uh, and and you're right. I mean, not just physically because I mean, obviously Nadal isn't as physically intimidating as he used to be at one point. But I think mentally, um, he knows how to win on clay and he knows how to win those five-set matches. Exactly. And I don't see even Djokovic giving him a challenge, Raul, because Djokovic has just not fired his entire you know, coaching team. He is not in the best of frame of mind. I don't see this as Djokovic's year. So at the French Open, you know, it's, it's going to be really, really difficult to stop Rafael Nadal winning it. And he's at the top of the game. He's just won the Madrid Open. You know, he's mentally out there strong to prove a point. Yeah, no, no. I mean, Djokovic also, um, you know, I don't think Clay is his favourite service, even though he's he's defending champion at the French. Um, but, you know, the form, the kind of form that he's been in, um, you wouldn't you wouldn't back on a, 
on a resurgence coming from him at the French. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's all pointing to, to Rafa uh, winning an unprecedented 10th um, title. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think that... Um, Tennis is full of surprises and we can always have the ball, you know. Yeah, we can always hope for, for some competition, I suppose. Yeah, that is true. And with Fedra not there, it's pretty clear that he set his sights on Wimbledon round. Absolutely. He's clearly, clearly said to himself, you know what, um, I'm getting on. I'm, I'm in my 30s. Um, I can afford to skip the French um, and, you know, just get myself into absolute tip top physical shape for for another assault on Wimbledon. I, I do feel that, you know, if he were to win Wimbledon and then go on and win or do well in the US Open. I, I reckon this will be his last year on tour, as I've, I've said again and again. Yes, I think we, have, we said it last year too, and I think we are saying it again, that this could be Federer's last year. And, you know, I think he's just he's just winding himself up and preparing himself to win that one last Wimbledon crown that has eluded him. And he might, yeah, no, he's, and he he's, might just call it quits. He's very clear. Now he wants that badly. He wants that more than anything else, I think. Exactly, and, and, and I think that's the best thing for Federer to do. In the women's team, uh, Raul, I mean, with no Sharapova there, it's pretty much the dullest women's tournament that, you know, would be played in the long, long time. There are no stars. There is no Serena. There is no Sharapova. There's nobody. I mean, yes, the world number ones and the world number twos on the women's circuit are there, but they're not the names that people would really buy tickets to go and see. I mean, I don't know. That's just my take on it. No, I mean, I think that's a fair point. I mean, you know, the Angelique Kerbers are around, and um, but I don't think any of them are, are huge draws, and I think that's part of the problem uh, that the women's game has got because, uh, you know, very much like the men, at least in the men, there are sort of three, four of these guys uh, kicking around, but in the women, quite frankly, there, there really aren't um, any of those. But, you know, I mean, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. Serena's not there. Um, Sharapova's not being granted a wild card, which I, I think is fine. I mean, I don't have any issues with that, uh, with the French Cup open turning around and saying that it's not possible for them to grant her a wild card. Um, but I think there's an opportunity. There's an opportunity for a number of the girls to, to step up and see if they can win a, a Grand Slam crown. I mean, you know, Angelique Kerber, for instance, you know, this is an opportunity for her to, to really, I mean, she, she, was, she was, I mean, shocking at the, at the Australian Open. Um, being defending champion and I know she she finally got through to the later rounds but she didn't play well at all um, you know is it possible for her to, to really go out and, and now that Serena's away um, put a stamp down saying that you know what I, I'm going to be the, the sort of top player on the, on the women's tour I don't know um, you know as you say uh, it, it's going to be a tough time I think for women's tennis over the next year or so absolutely Rahul and um, let's see what happens at the French Open it's, it's, it's starting on Monday and we'll be following it on just sports as it goes along moving on moving on to cricket and another trouble area or trouble brewing seems to be between Cricket Australia and its cricketers Rahul and the amount of money and I think it's just the demon of the T20 game the T20 game has become so lucrative it's become so much of money that you know players are now turning around and saying is it really worth playing you know test cricket it's all about money and i i i i mean i, I differ slightly i i don't completely agree with that I, I think that it is it is a battle for what you would call um you know the 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 premier place in in cricket and i think that you know it's high time i think that the the 
the cricket boards um, began to realize that begin to realize that they've got to find a way to start you know melding these things side by side so that so that the top players can can play these uh, lucrative um, uh, T20 leagues. Um, and at the same time, there is a space for test cricket and maybe there's a space for one-day cricket. Um, at the moment, you know, the, the, the boards just seem to have this thing that, oh, you know what, you're our players, you're under our contract, so you know what, drop um, that and come running just out of, um, you know, some nationalistic pride. And I, I don't think that's going to work anymore. You know, cricket has to become more like football where, you know, there is a, there is a balance between what is national and, and what is is local sort of club level stuff. And, and I think that that's what the Australian players are saying. That's what they're asking for. And, you know, you've got this bizarre turn of events where Cricket Australia are just turning around and just ignoring them completely, saying, you know what, if you don't sign, we're not going to pay you. Well, you know, I, I think that's just nonsense. I think it's, it's nuts. You know, if you, look at it, if you look at it from a logical perspective, you know, the IPL takes a good amount of 50, 55 days. If you were to have even four more tournaments like the IPL spreading over about 30, 35 days, you've taken away about 150, 180 days of the year. You know, and that really doesn't leave too much of a window for test cricket. You know, it just leaves... it just Somewhere, again, I mean, you know, let's look at this rationally for a second, all right? Um, if, you, if you look at the sort of big test cricket series that people... <sighs> that people look for, all right? You've got the English summer, um, sort of June, July, August, and you've got the Australian and South African summer, which is sort of November, December, and January, right? You've got those six months um, that you look for sort of strong, viable test cricket. Why can't you just keep test cricket to those months and let everybody else do it? I mean, there is a way to look at this, but the problem is is that you've got this whole bilateral thing this future tours program that the ICC has committed to where you know countries have to go off at bizarre times in the year and go off and play people I mean you know 90% of the test match or not not 90% but at least 50% of test matches in Sri Lanka are rained out you know 50% of them are rained out in the West Indies 50% of them are rained out in New Zealand because they're playing at all stupid times of the year. You know, why can't you find a way to logically put this all together? That it works for players, it works for administration, and more importantly, it works for fans. No, no, exactly like I said, Rahul. I mean, this, I mean, they need to be a complete rethink on the whole format of Test Cricket and the format of saying that we'll play these bilateral series because they're not working at all. They're not working. I mean, my 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 big thing to the ICC um, is we've been watching uh, the IPL for the last God knows how many days. And in stark contrast to the IPL, you've had the West Indies Pakistan series. And you look at the crowds at the IPL and every game is full and everybody is there having a great time screaming. And you look at the crowds at West Indies and Pakistan and they're like five people at the grounds. Now you tell me which of these two have got it wrong. Yeah, absolutely, Rahul. I mean, nobody was interested in the, uh, uh, in the Pakistan West Indies, you know, tour or the, or the series or even the last test match of Misbah and Yunus. And, also, it doesn't work for them, Rahul, it doesn't work in terms of TV, TV viewing, you know, it's in the middle of the night, the entire continent of Asia and Australia is sleeping, 
So you've lost out on a large audience of people who would really want to watch that series. So, you know, you're absolutely right. Forget it. I mean, my point is, my point is the local public aren't showing up to watch the series. You know, the people in the West Indies, there's nobody in the grounds. I mean, you know, at some point you're going to have to wake up to the fact that you cannot just sell test cricket just as a television event. And some of the test matches, quite frankly, I'm sorry, but some of the test matches are just television events because there's nobody in the grounds. What is the point of that? Absolutely, Rahul. So I think this flashpoint between Cricket Australia and its players is not going to be an isolated incident. I think it's just the, the, the start of rethinking, rejigging, because everybody's now understanding and realizing that they only have a few limited years of playing and the maximum money that they make out of it is the best way forward. I mean, yes, national It's all about money at the end of the day. You're playing the sport and you're giving your everything to it. You should be paid well for it. So, yeah. It's a flashpoint, and let's see where it goes and how it resolves. And moving on to good news, uh, Chelsea are champions again. Uh, I don't like it. Rahul doesn't like it. Good news? <laughs> we both hate it, but yeah, okay, they're champions again. But I think the one man who deserves full credit, Rahul, and let's, let's grudgingly admit it, is Conte. I mean, he's the man who changed it around for Chelsea. Oh, 110%. I mean, look, this is a squad that finished 10th last season. Um, and, you know, he's taken basically that squad. He, he just, they've recruited Nicolo Kante. He's the only person that they've really recruited. Um, and they've, he's taken that squad and he's made them champions. Um, and champions by a distance. I mean, you know, logically speaking, they will win the league by a good seven to ten points. Um, you know, I, I think that it's, it's, you know, it's been one of those those leagues where you haven't necessarily seen or noticed the gap that there has been between Chelsea and the rest. Um, Chelsea have been by far and away the best side in the league. Um, I think there's very little doubt about that. Yes, there was talk for you know six eight weeks of Tottenham running them close, but Tottenham had to go on a a nine game winning run. Um, and have been completely unbeaten at home. And they're still going to finish seven to ten points behind Chelsea. That's how good Chelsea have been this season. Um, it's, it's very, very impressive. And the game, I mean, the game that turned it around with them was when Arsenal hammered them in September. After September, they have just turned it around. And honestly, he, they were unstoppable. He switched to three at the back. You know, he, he, he said to himself, I, I don't care. Um, if these players are used to playing four at the back, I know how to play three at the back, and we are going to play three at the back. And he switched to three in a back, three at the back. And and since then, honestly, since September, Chelsea have put a, their foot wrong what twice or thrice since September. They've put three feet wrong, I and mean, that's it. You know, and and it's been it, they have been out and, a, and ahead of everybody. Um, head and shoulders ahead of everybody since that time, since sort of September, October, they've been miles ahead of everybody. And, um, you know, Conte deserves great credit for, for what he's done. The big question to me is, is how long are Chelsea going to keep their hands on him? Yeah, that's true because he's in demand. I mean, and big bucks will be thrown at him. There was this whole rumor about Inter Milan coming to him, you know, but I think he definitely wants to give Chelsea one more year for sure, Raul, because He's one. No, no, he will. He, he will. And, and he will. And, you know, you always know with Chelsea that, that you know, their coaches are good for one or two seasons. Um, and then, uh, you know, Mr. Abramovich likes to get in when things are perhaps not going so well. 
Um, but, uh, you know, I think Conte is, um, he's a character, you know, he's, he's a very different character to a Mourinho, um, who perhaps was the last uh, Chelsea manager. I think that, you know, the fans there really, you know, uh, uh, icon, I, and as a Chelsea managerial icon. Um, and I think that Conte has got the ability to, to be one of those because of his personality, because of the way that he plays football. Um, yeah, he's been, he's been a breath of fresh air, really, yeah. Exactly, and I think, you know, congratulations to Conte, congratulations to Chelsea. Uh, Rahul got his prediction completely wrong about the top four. I am still in the game. <laughs> I am still in the game for the top four prediction. Yeah, I, I have to say that was... Uh, that was a great result for Liverpool. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, you got it completely wrong. I got it completely bang on right. So by Monday or by Monday or Tuesday, when we are back with our next podcast, we'll have either Mr. Rahul Puri grinning or he would be beating the table in agony and fury. So it's in all it's, well, it's all in your hands now, Mr. Puri. It's all in your hands. It is. It, it is completely in our hands now. And I tell you what. I, I would be absolutely distraught next week if they don't do it against Borough. Yeah, if they don't do it at Anfield at home, I mean... <laughs> it's just not us. Let's not talk about Let's it. Let's not even talk about it. Because I don't want to jinx that and I don't want to jinx my Europa League final, my only... Absolutely, that's all that's left, uh, you know. But, you know, fair play to Mourinho. He's, he's, uh, he's putting his all his eggs in that basket. And I, I think that's the right thing. I think that's absolutely the right thing he's doing. Look at it from this way, Raul. I mean, you know, you might think that it's been number six or whatever, but if United end up winning the Europa League, it would still be, it would still be three trophies in the year. It would be the Community Shield. It would be the FA Cup. No, sorry. It would be the, the EFL. It, and it would be uh, uh, the Europa League. So three trophies, not too bad for his No, no, absolutely, absolutely. Look, there's, there's nothing like winning trophies. And Mourinho knows that. Yeah, so that's what he's going to do. But I'm not going to jinx Mr. Raul Puri's weekend. We'll be back. We'll be back on Just Sports next week, where I don't think the weekend results would make that much of a difference to my life. But we'll see how Rahul is on on, on the next edition of Just Sports. Yes. Till then, you guys enjoy the IPL. We'll have lots to talk about about the IPL and much more. On our next edition of Just Sports, like we say, if it's a penalty, a goal or a hole-in-one, we cover it for you. Take care, Raul. Have a good weekend is all I can say to you. Fingers crossed, Summer, and I will speak to you next week. Yes. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And subscribe to our YouTube channel.